You're listening to Resurrection Life with Pastor Nathan Trice. Greetings, Resurrection family and all our friends. Christ is risen. Today I'm beginning a series of podcasts on the subject of Christian parenting. And the way I've decided to begin so vast a subject uh, is simply to meditate with you all on the sheer wonder of being a parent. Indeed, I think it's a privilege that ought to make us catch our breath from time to time. And it certainly is a privilege that should give rise to praise and thanks to God all our days. Of course, uh, when we lose that sense of privilege, there are some unhappy things that can happen uh, in our parenting, and I'll also touch on some of those as well. So that's what's ahead if you choose to listen on. So can I make an attempt here to refresh our awareness, particularly those of us who are parents, that something wondrous has happened to us and has been entrusted to us. Now, it's something that comes natural and um, uh, inevitably to anyone who's become a mom or dad, but I also think it's something that can naturally and inevitably fade and even be forgotten, uh, this sense of wonder that is, uh, in the daily grind of years of parenting. If you are a parent, I am quite confident that there was at least a time when you found yourself overwhelmed by a sense of awe at what was happening to make you a mom or a dad. Maybe it was the um, first time, guys, that you heard from your wife uh, that she was expecting. Uh, I imagine you can probably remember that moment, particularly with regard to your firstborn, if you have more than one child, and you perhaps had that wonder register in a sense of disbelief. Uh, there may have been other moments uh, in the pregnancy um, my sisters in the Lord who have born children uh, will know this, of course, uh, far more dramatically than any of us men, but the wonder of having another human being uh, growing inside you. Um, men can uh, get some sense of that uh, less directly. I remember the time when uh, my wife was expecting our firstborn, our only daughter, Allie, and the two of us were lying in bed uh, just talking one uh, evening, and I had the distinct impression very suddenly that I had been kicked by a third person in that bed. <laughs> I, uh, I had been lying close enough to my wife to feel the baby kick in a way that uh, was surreal, and the sense of wonder came all over me again. Uh, certainly, uh, if um, you have been part, gentlemen, uh, of the delivery process, you've been a witness, uh, wives, you have uh, seen that child that's just emerged from your body, you've taken that child in your arm, I got to think that the staff in um, maternity wards of our hospitals, our birthing centers, they must get quite used to seeing grown men cry uh, along with their wives, who are, I think, inevitably 
just overwhelmed uh, with the wonder of it. Now, that sense of awe is not unique, I understand, uh, to Christian parents. This uh, ordinance of parenthood is so wondrous that uh, the hardest hearts can be awed by it. And in fact, for all the disparaging uh, of the home and the mission of parenting that is uh, everywhere in our culture, there does remain, uh, in my uh, sense of it, a fascination with the experience uh, of conceiving and delivering and raising kids. I'm thinking of the high-profile examples of this among our celebrities. They have everything that they could possibly want in life, uh, except children, and oftentimes they invite their whole fan base to walk through with them the experience of of having children. Marriage, of course, often being entirely optional to that. So this whole sense of, whoa, I'm a parent, that sense of wonder is pretty universal. But as I've said already, it can wear off, and it typically does. Maybe a few sleepless nights or sleepless weeks Um, all the logistical challenges that set in fairly soon on, just the sheer physicality of holding and hauling and stuffing little bodies into car seats and high chairs and all the rest. Uh, Maybe the willful toddler years where sin is in full bloom and the, um, the sins of that little boy or girl have become your vexation. Of course, there's headache And there's heartache sometimes that comes with young adult children. Uh, And all these things are enemies to our sense of wonder. Uh, But if you have had such a uh, a wearing off of your wonder, I've got a word for you if you're listening today. Actually, I've got several words, several reminders from my fellow parents, from young to old, from the still giddy to those who are Downright frazzled. Here's my first reminder. Number one, rather simple. I hope not too simple a point to make. Remember that parenting is a privilege denied to many. I don't think I need to give you a chapter and a verse from the Bible uh, to make this point. Simple observation will suffice. And we all are able to say we know and we love individuals. On the one hand, who'd like to be married and have children and God has not yet given them that. We also know couples who may be happily married, but they've been surprised and then eventually pained by the inability to have children. And I'm just reminding us of something that is a phenomenon that's written large in Scripture, particularly that second phenomenon, uh, Abraham and Sarah before Isaac comes along, Jacob and Rachel before Joseph, um, Elkanah and Hannah come to my mind. Uh, Before Samuel is born, the history of redemption abounds with couples who struggle with what we now call infertility, and the pain of that can be quite profound. I'll just say that as I begin this series on parenting, as a pastor, I find myself very mindful of people uh, with this pain. I'm speaking today of the joy and wonder of becoming parents And yet I realize that's the precise blessing that God has withheld from some for reasons that we find inscrutable. Now, am I pointing this out to in any way dampen the joy of parents? Actually, 
Folks, it's just the opposite. You see, I think it's easy to take the privilege of parenting for granted, and that's what I'm aiming at here, that we not take the privilege of parenting for granted. In the long run, taking it for granted actually robs us of the joy of parenting. You've been the harried parent, uh, overwhelmed with challenges, tempted to cop, an attitude about parenting, Ugh, such a hassle. Just remember, this is all I'm saying in this first point, there are not a few who are aching to have that hassle. I actually uh, wonder if our complaining, uh, our uh, discontentment with some of the trials of parenting can actually be painful on top of the pain uh, that I'm speaking of here that some of our brothers and sisters experience. Uh, Just the other day, I was uh, walking past my car with one of you, and um, you pointed out a dent in my nice blue car. And you asked the question, football? And I said, yeah, probably. Uh, And I could show you quite a few other, shall we call them beauty marks in my life. I do have four boys in addition to my one daughter. But folks, you know what I have increasingly, by the grace of God, um, thought as I encounter Uh, these things that might otherwise get me torqued, stuff of mine that's scratched or dented, Uh, I recognize that I could live in a scratch-and-dent-free world, relatively speaking, if God had not made me a dad. But I'm so unspeakably grateful to be a dad. I know that it is a privilege denied to many. My father... Uh, made a similar point about old age. Uh, He died about a year ago now, and he had there in his room, as he suffered some of the decline of old age, a little motto up on his bulletin board, and it said something like this, "Uh, don't complain about getting old. It is a privilege denied to many. So what we're doing here in this first point is simply placing parenthood in the category of unspeakable blessing, of gift from God. And that should be the first thing that gives us a sense of wonder. We've been chosen, if we're parents, we've been chosen by God uh, to receive an unspeakable gift. Let me move on to a second source of wonder, if we keep it before us. And that is the reminder that procreation is itself an utter mystery. I think part of our sense of privilege as parents should come from the sheer miracle of human procreation. Here's my question that's impossible to answer. How exactly can two creatures, a man and a woman, each of them consisting of both a body and a soul, impart from themselves to a third creature a distinct body and soul? Folks, you could say that a number of different ways. You could put that question a number of different ways. I just point out to you, it is a wonder that this is possible. Even pagans get poetic about this. The most rank of materialists who denies the existence of the soul still can wonder at what science can't fully explain, how physical life can beget physical life, conception, and birth. They're celebrated the world round. But Christians have a special cause for wonder. We believe in the basis of the Word of God that in addition to a physical human body, there is an eternal soul 
that comes into existence in the moment of procreation. And folks, that is a matter of deep mystery. Did you know that Christian theologians have not reached a consensus on the question of the origin of the human soul? All right, hang on. Just just for a minute, geek out with me on this. There have been several theories that have been proposed. Uh, for example, the church father, Origen, taught that God created all the souls of all the humans who would ever live there in the first creation week. And that at each conception of a new son or daughter in time, God would, well, I don't know how you'd put it, but in effect, he would take that soul he'd made thousands of years before off the shelf and join it to the body in the act of creation, procreation. Well, that was Origen, and most of the church has not followed him on that, have seen some problems with that theory. But others have taught that God continues his work of creating souls all throughout history, his work of creation, at least in terms of the souls of human beings, is ongoing, and that at each conception in the womb, God creates the soul and joins it to the body then and there. Well, there's other problems with that uh, particular theory that have often been pointed out. Still others have taught that God, by his own mysterious design, gives to men and women the capacity not only to form a new body from their own bodies, but a new soul from their own souls. Now, that's the view that I personally incline towards, but my point is the Bible actually doesn't settle this question conclusively. I was taught that in seminary many, many moons ago. It is a mystery, and it's a great mystery, and it's a mystery that we live with every day that yet should nonetheless give us wonder. Listen to one of our Presbyterian fathers on this subject of how a soul of a child comes into existence. By the way, I'll be quoting a bunch of Puritans and Presbyterians in this series. It will be best, perhaps, to leave the subject as an insoluble mystery. What a humbling blow to the pride of human philosophy that it should be unable to answer the very first and nearest question as to its own origin. This uh, father in the faith continues in another place. It is enough for us to know that God, by his mysterious works of creation and providence, does empower human parents for this amazing result, the origination out of nothing of a new being and that a rational, immortal spirit. How solemn, how high this prerogative It raises man nearer the Almighty Creator in his supreme prerogative as master of all things than anything else that is done by creatures on earth or in heaven. Ah, It's a wonderful meditation I've just quoted from on the mystery of what has happened to make us parents, brothers and sisters. Uh, Now, uh, the sheer commonness of parenthood dulls our sense uh, of its wonder. It's, um, it's like the sun. Uh, the only reason we don't find ourselves in utter paralyzed awe at the sun every day is, well, is that it comes up every day. It's such a common thing for all of its glory and brilliance. Uh, think with me, though, as we reflect on this, 
to what Adam and Eve must have thought when they experienced for the very first time in all of history, uh, parenthood. I think you can hear their awe. For example, in Adam, as he names his wife Eve, Genesis 3.20, the word Eve means life giver. What is, what is going on in his mind when he calls his wife Eve life giver? God is the life giver, but he's delegated to this woman this remarkable capacity in a lesser way to be a giver of life. Or Eve, as she names her firstborn, Cain, uh, which is a word that sounds like gotten. I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord, Genesis 4.1. So, brothers and sisters, what I'm doing here is encouraging us not to let, well, among other things, the sheer ease with which some of us have been able to procreate to disguise this mystery. Something profoundly mysterious first takes place in marriage, according to the scriptures. The man and the woman become one flesh. That's a great mystery, but something even more mysterious, I'm reminding you, takes place in the marriage bed. It's a kind of creation. Malachi 2, did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. My fellow parents, do you ever have those moments looking at your children of utter mystification? I'm not talking about when you're reacting to something they just did. <laughs> that could be an unpleasant experience. I mean just just looking at them, perhaps you can see the in physical ways the features uh, that are a reflection of you or your wife or your husband. Or perhaps it is in their conduct. You can see the ways in which they are, well, as one of the Puritans put it, little pieces of yourself wrapped in another skin. That's a very Puritan-sounding expression, isn't it? We ought to be easily amazed, brothers and sisters, as Christians, in a lot of different ways. We should have our eyes wide open to the wonders of God's world and human beings being brought forth from other human beings. That should be the top of our list. Even the angels of heaven have none of that privilege. So parenting is a privilege tonight to many, a very common sense observation and reminder, procreation itself is an utter mystery that too should feed our sense of wonder and our sense of privilege at being parents. And number three, child rearing is at the center of the coming of God's kingdom. Now I want to remind you of just the sheer importance of what you're doing as parents in the advancing of Christ's kingdom. And this third point is actually going to underlie the whole of this series on parenting that I'm beginning, and so I'll be returning to it uh, at various times and various ways throughout. Let me just point out that the very first words that God speaks to Adam and Eve, recorded for us in Genesis 1, verse 28, are about parenting. Listen for the very first words. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth. 
And then he continues, and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, you know that those very important words, uh, words of summons, uh, of commissioning, uh, they've been called the creation mandate, among other things. And it sums up everything that God has called us to be and to do as those that he made in his own image. There are two parts to the creation mandate, filling the earth and subduing the earth. As those who bear the image of God, Adam and Eve were to fill the earth. That is, they were to raise up children in God's image. And as those who are made in the image of God, they were to subdue the earth. They were to cultivate the earth that God had made and make it productive. The first of these involves what we call today marriage and family. The second of these involves work or vocation. And bear in mind, brothers and sisters, God was entrusting to Adam and Eve the very task that he had just spectacularly begun in the six days of his creation work. He had been subduing the earth, and he had been filling the earth. Remember uh, all the separating that he does the first three days, separating the light from the darkness, the heavens from the earth, the land from the sea. This was this magnificent act of subduing the earth, organizing the earth. And then in the, in the next three days, he fills each of those realms. He fills uh, each realm with sun and moon, with birds and fishes, and then with finally with living creatures to include man. So what I'm reminding you of is that this is the glory of his image bearers, that we are called to follow our Lord's example and to continue this work. Sometimes I hear Christians wonder, "Mm, does this all still apply to us? Seems like the world's pretty full today. And of course, we have many uh, people, many voices who are uh, protesting about how full the world is of humankind. Well, I submit to you that this completely misses the point. God's not just seeking a mere proliferation of human beings. Uh, Thanks to the fall of man and the spread of sin, that only leads to provoking God, not pleasing him. Mere proliferation of human beings. The account of the flood is an illustration of that. No, God is seeking to fill the earth with faithful servants of his who bring him glory. Those who are his image by creation and now, thanks to sin, are increasingly being made by redemption more and more restored to his image. Image bearers by creation, image bearers by redemption, those who glorify and enjoy him. And as that kind of multiplication takes place, those who are by creation and redemption in his image and who are uh, filling the earth with such, well, in the words of the Psalms and the prophets, the glory of the Lord will fill the earth as the water covers the sea. And here's the point. What we're talking about in this series stands at the very center of all God's redemptive purposes, all his purposes for reclaiming uh, the world in which we live. The fall of man, the plan of redemption, these only make more important the work of parenting first given uh, to Adam and Eve in the garden. Remember what God says about Abraham in Genesis 18? I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just 
so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he's promised him. Jesus uh, is cutting with the grain of all that precedes what uh, this word in the scripture, Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Parents, you should hear your work as parents, uh, among other things, uh, central to that great commission. That's what we call those final words of our Lord, the great commission. Nothing more than the creation mandate renewed and enlarged. And while it is certainly and wonderfully something involves more than Christian parenting, at the very center of it is what we're doing as Christian parents. We parents are making disciples of our children, baptizing them, and then teaching them uh, the ways of Christ. So moms, dads, you ought to be absolutely thrilled by the sheer importance of your parental work. Indeed, there are other important things, but none more important. In the midst of a culture that sees precious little importance in the rearing of children, there should be a kind of wholesome self-importance that Christian parents should feel. I'm not talking about the kind of self-importance that brings pride. Rather, just the opposite, the kind of importance and sense of the importance of your calling that brings a humble sense of privilege. The Presbyterian that I quoted from a few moments ago was Robert Dabney from the 19th century of America. In my next podcast, I'm going to introduce a sermon that he preached uh, that was very influential on me early in my ministry, even before I was a parent. It's a sermon that deals with the privileges and responsibilities of parenting. He, in that sermon, sketches God's glorious purposes for parenting, both in creation and in redemption. And I'm just going to uh, quote once more from the end of that sermon. Again, I'll come back to it next time, like Lord willing. This is what Dabney says. The nurture of children for God is the most important business done on earth. It is the one business for which the earth exists. To it, all politics, all wear, all literature, all money-making ought to be subordinated. And every parent especially ought to feel every hour of the day that next to making his own calling and election sure, this is the end for which he's kept alive by God. This is his task on earth. Now, folks... If there's any overstatement in this, I submit to you it's not by much, and it's forgivable. (laughs) As I've said in some of my parenting classes in the past, Christian parents are at the center of God's takeover plan, and that is a high privilege indeed. So moms and dads, uh, let's dispense with our tendencies towards self-pity over the trials of parenting, Uh, not Only that, but that complacency at the sheer commonness uh, of the routines of parenting that can settle in around us. Let's dispense with that as well. Uh, Let's give thanks for our children every day. And let's give thanks for the privilege of being their parents. And that gladness will make us only the more effective in shouldering 
the responsibilities that come with these privileges of being parents. That, the responsibilities of parenting, is what we'll be looking at next time, Lord willing, in this series. Thanks for listening today, brothers and sisters. The Lord keep you in His grace. You've been listening to Resurrection Life with Pastor Nathan Trice, a ministry of Resurrection Presbyterian Church in Matthews, North Carolina. If you've been blessed by today's podcast, consider sharing it with someone you know. And thank you for joining us.